0: Two loves built two cities. The earthly city by the love of self, even to the contempt of God. The heavenly city by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. In the city of God, which is perhaps his most significant work, that great father and doctor of the church, St. Augustine, explains the history of the world from creation until the very end of time. He points out that when we boil it all down and get right down to it, in the drama history, finally there's only two fundamental forces at play. There's only two camps into which all men finally find themselves sorted out. The earthly city, full of selfish men who love themselves even under the contempt of God. And the heavenly city, full of men who love God even under the contempt of themselves. The gospel today, the gospel of the wheat and the cockler in this translation, the wheat and the weeds, some translation, the wheat and the tares, is about this very thing, the two cities. The wheat, of course, stands for the city of God, and the cockle stands for the city of man. In the parable, our Lord's teaching us that those two camps, those two cities, will remain here on earth, mixed together, planted together in his fields until the end of time, when it'll all be sorted out. Now as we survey the fields of the Lord, in which we've been planted, it's pretty obvious which city is reigning supreme. Selfishness reigns supreme nowadays. The culture of death is a culture in which selfishness has been enthroned, enthroned as a very God. Just think of some of the slogans like, it's my body or it's my choice. The culture of death is built upon the love of self even unto the contempt of god but we're catholic we better stand out from the culture of death we better be known for our love of god even to the contempt of self and it should stand out it should be obvious when people meet us they ought to notice that there's something different our families should be different our behavior our clothing style should be different our entertainment certainly should be different listen to what saint paul tells the Catholics of his day, Catholics who were also immersed in a culture of death, the ancient pagan culture of the Roman Empire, and how he exhorts them in today's epistle to stand out as Catholics, St. Paul. Put ye on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, mercy, kindness, humility, modesty, patience. "...bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone have a complaint against one another, even as the Lord has forgiven you, so do you also. But above all these things have charity, which is the bond of perfection." Close quote St. Paul. "...the members of the city of God must put on mercy, modesty, patience. They must bear with one another, forgive one another, but above all things have the bond of perfection, which is charity." St. Paul reminds us that if we really love God, then we have to show it by how we treat our neighbor. He teaches elsewhere in the book of Romans, "...he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Let us never decide decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves." Let each of us please our neighbor for his good, to edify him. For Christ did not please himself. The commandments are summed up in the sentence, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Let us never put a stumbling block in the way of a brother. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to edify him for Christ did not please himself. Look how different that selfless love is, the love that calls those who are strong to bear with the failings of the weak, that calls us to seek the good of the neighbor. Look how different that love is from the selfish love of the city of man, the love of self under the contempt of God. Just consider it for a moment. Okay, let's use those ideas, those principles to see how we as members of the city of God ought to act in this culture of death. For the sake of symmetry, we'll look at one application for men and one application for the women. First, for the men. Men are supposed to love and protect the weak. And although this might be a news flash for those in Hollywood and academia, men are the physically stronger sex. So what? Well, let's use that physical strength to protect the weak. Have you ever wondered how we got to the point where massacring little babies like they're going out of style? We drop the charity that's due to woman. A society that won't protect its women won't protect its children. It's as simple as that. Once we don't protect them, once we don't protect the weak, they become prey. And that's right where we're at today. The men in the city of God need to get serious about having a true Catholic love for women. That sure isn't out there in our society. For example, in the year 2000, Hollywood made 400 movies. That same year, in this country, the porno industry produced 11,000 movies. That same year, there were 700 million porno videos rentaled. When movies, networks, websites phone numbers, magazines, and so forth are added up. In the year 2000, the pornography industry grossed between 10 and $14 billion. 10 to $14 billion. That's more than the combined totals of professional football, baseball, and basketball. You don't need me to tell you that's not love, and that's not protection of our women. That's totally degrading. That's lust. We have a message, the men from the culture life, for the men who patronize this stuff, the men who love themselves even under the contempt of God. Look, those women in those magazines are somebody's sister or somebody's daughter. Those women in those movies, those are somebody's sister or somebody's daughter. How do you like that if that was your sister? How do you like that if that was your daughter? We've got to get the message across that people need to quit messing with this trash. And hardcore pornography isn't the only problem. Lots of these so-called mainstream magazines, newspapers, TV programs, show our sisters in ways that don't make the grade either. Gentlemen, if you're wondering whether or not you should watch a particular show, read a paper, etc., there's a rule of thumb that'll work every time. Just ask yourself, if I showed this to the Blessed Virgin Mary, would it make her feel uncomfortable, embarrassed, or offended in any way? If I showed it to Our Lady, would it make her uncomfortable, offended, or embarrassed in any way? Because if it would, then don't look at it. It's as simple as that. We can't have our feet in both camps. It's either the culture of life or the culture of death. It's the city of God or the city of man. There is no middle ground between heaven and hell. It doesn't end there. We need especially to protect our women from the wrong kind of guys. All you fathers and brothers have a solemn obligation before God to protect the women in your family. Basically, that means you run off the guys that need to be run off. That's a duty before God and something that you do, whether or not the girls like it. That's immaterial. It's your job. We don't care how the women feel about this part. For example, I know a Catholic guy who, after his father was done, used to have a friendly little interview with his sister's boyfriends. He'd just sit the boyfriend down and tell him, say, look, this is a Catholic family, and that's my sister, and we're going to get along just fine, as long as you don't get any big ideas. Before you get any big ideas, you better walk her down that aisle and have a ring on her finger, and it better be before a Catholic priest. And you need to understand, if anything happens to her, it's going to get real Western." You better hope I get to you before the old man does. People would ask him how his sisters take it. Well, he'd say the boyfriends and I understand each other perfectly clear. My sister hates it. And she always gets mad and embarrassed when I do it. But I don't care. I'm her brother. She's my sister. And it's my duty to protect her whether she likes it or not. You young ladies don't have to worry. Any guy that's really interested in you will not be intimidated or run off by this. He knows how the game works. He also understands it will keep him on his best behavior. I'll tell you another story. Before I knew what my vocation was for sure, I went to interview with the father of a gal I wanted to take out. So when I arrived at his place, he asked me to sit down at the kitchen table And he gave me a good long lecture just about how it was going to be in the world and how he expected me to behave. Ladies, that didn't bother me at all. I was glad and respected him that he did that. I was glad he cared enough about his daughter. I think the setup was particularly good and it would have run off the wrong kind of guys perhaps because as we were having the discussion he was shotgun. I think that's a great idea. No, that's not why I'm a priest. Anyhow, Gentlemen, protection is only one aspect of the charity that's due to women. Catholic, women should, or Catholic men should always strive to make the women feel safe and comfortable in their presence. That pencils into those old-fashioned ideas like women and children first, by getting up when your mother or a woman comes into the room, using the proper kind of speech, opening doors, even car doors, boys. Yes, we know they can open the doors. That's not the point. The point is that we're using our physical strength in a non-threatening, safe way, to show honor and respect for her as a woman, whether she likes it or not. The men from the culture life have to resurrect those good habits that make the weaker sex feel safe and comfortable in our presence. Okay, so that's the application with men. Charity, compassion, thoughtfulness, and protection of our sisters. Now let's look at the application for the women. This might actually come as a news flash for some women. There's a symmetry in the world. Men are the stronger sex, physically. But morally, you're the stronger sex. In a society, women either play the role of Eve, which leads men to destruction and sin and selfishness, or they play the role of the Blessed Virgin, which leads men towards holiness and self-sacrifice. That's the role that women play, and that's the strength that women have. And it's an incredible strength. Don't kid yourself. It's incredible. You ladies set the bar. This culture, it's flat on the ground. Catholics have to set the bar high what sort of woman in this culture is being held out as a role model is the ideal woman in our culture more like Eve or is she more like the Blessed Virgin Mary but to ask the question is to answer it and that's having a terrible influence on our girls and that means it's going to have a terrible influence on our boys because Adam was perfect and look what got him going Let me give you a really typical example of the kind of problem. I was visiting with a good friend of mine. She's from a big family, 10 kids, good Catholic, pro a rescuer, someone, a very good woman. You'd think she'd know better. So here we are visiting, and she comes out wearing an extremely tight shirt and shorts. And I told her, you know, I'm good friends with the family. Hey, you know, when you dress like that, you're going to cause even the good guys to have a problem. Well, here's the typical part of this conversation. How do you suppose she reacted? Well, I'll tell you. She starts arguing with me. It'd be kind of funny if it wasn't serious. What does she know about what it's like to be a man? And I'm a guy that she's known for many years as someone that she can trust. So she's arguing with me, telling me to get my mind out of the gutter. And I said, look, sweet pea, I go to communion every day. And I go to communion, so I won't have these kind of problems. But you are causing men problems, dressing like that. Then the typical response to that is, well, compared to how other girls dress, it's not that bad. Well, okay, that may be true. But compared to how other girls dress isn't what we compare it to. We compare it to the line. And you're way over the line. And compared to Catholic girls that want to be saints, you're not even on the page. You're not even close. Then comes a really crazy argument. Well, they don't have to look. Well, yeah, okay. The fact that the porno industry grosses billions of dollars per year is a big screaming clue that there's plenty of men that are mighty, mighty weak in this department. And besides, what does that sound like? They don't have to look. That sounds an awful like, lot like, am I my brother's keeper? And whose line is that? That's Cain, right after he murdered his brother, which is exactly what's going to happen to the life of grace and the soul of some poor man looks at you with lust, and he's too weak to keep from falling. That's a perfectly typical conversation I've had lots of with good girls about this particular problem. I'm personally convinced that most good women have no idea of the influence they exercise in this field. Let's look back. What does St. Paul say? Does he say, am I my brother's keeper? No, that's not what St. Paul says. He says, let us never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Men are weaker here, ladies. You can't understand it. You're not men. You have to take it on faith. I'm not up here preaching about this because I couldn't think of something to say. I'm telling you how it is. In 1917, Our Lady of Fatima warned us, quote, certain fashions will be introduced which will offend our Divine Lord very much. Those who follow God ought not to follow those fashions. The Church has no fashions. Our Lord is always the same. Close quote. The Blessed Virgin Mary. By 1921... 1921, Pope Benedict XV was so alarmed that his encyclical on the third order of St. Francis, he noted, quote, one cannot sufficiently deplore the blindness of so many women. Made foolish by a desire to please, they do not see to what a degree the indecency of their clothing shocks every honest man and offends God. Most of them would have formerly blushed for such apparel as a grave fault against Christian modesty. But now it doesn't suffice for them to exhibit themselves in public. Indeed, they do not fear to cross the threshold of churches to assist at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and even to bear the seducing food of shameful passions to the Eucharistic table where one receives the heavenly author of purity, close quote, the Vicar of Christ. He was alarmed by women's fashions. Two paragraphs later, he noted, asking the Third Order sisters, quote, They be thoroughly convinced the best way for them to be of use to the church and the society is to labor for the improvement of morals, and we ask of them by their dress and manner of wearing it to be models of holy modesty for other ladies and young girls. Close quote, The Vicar of Christ, Pope Benedict XV, 1921. 1921. Hey ladies. That's not just the role of the Third Order Franciscans anymore. That's your role. That's your role, to be a witness for the culture of life and this culture of death. You are your brother's keepers. You need to be an example of holy modesty in a culture going wild with pornography. You need to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Men are weaker here. They can't handle immodesty, modesty, and thanks a lot, Adam, they're not going to grow up and get over it. It's part of our fallen nature. They're not going to get more mature about it. It's the way they are. Men are very easily scandalized by an immodestly dressed or immodestly behaved woman. Now, being scandalized doesn't mean you appear with this big exclamation point over your head going, Oh, my gosh. Being scandalized means being led into sin. The woman who dresses immodestly and causes men to fall into impure thoughts is guilty of the sin called scandalizing the weak. So suppose a modestly dressed woman came walking around through here and she seduced 50 men to sin. Each one of those 50 men is guilty of his own sin. There's no question about that. We're all guilty of our own sins. That's for sure, but here's the point. She's guilty of one mortal sin of immodest dress. Then she has to answer for the 50 sins of impurity. And because of where she's at in a Catholic church, she has a special malice of tempting men to sin in a church. That's a lot to answer for. It's serious. We can think about what our Lord said about scandal. Something about millstones. Imitate Our Lady. Don't imitate Eve. We as Catholics, the Catholic women, have to be examples of holy modesty. So what is modest clothing in the mind of the Church during the reign of Pope Pius XI? When there were a lot more different styles throughout the world, the Holy See issued guidelines for women's dress it's true styles change but the principles never change the principles never can change because the female bodies never change and men's weakness never changes here's the principles clothing should tend to veil rather than to reveal number two no sheer tight clothing that means no tight sweaters no tight bosses no tight shorts no tight bo- uh, skirts or pants none whatsoever Parenthetically, I will remark that I did read an article before I went to seminary that showed a very high statistical correlation between the rate of endometriosis and the tightness of women's clothing. Obviously, God doesn't have the female body designed with the idea of tight clothing. Number three, no sleeveless dresses or blouses. If you wear one of those, those jumpers, or whatever you call them, wear a blouse underneath. Four, neckline should be high not less than four or two fingers width below the pit of the throat that's the the top of your sternum there and hemline should be below the knee okay clothing should tend to veal rather than reveal no sheer tight clothing no sleeveless dresses or blouses neckline should be not less than three two fingers width below the pit of the throat hemlines below the knee see all these statues those are saints that's not accidental the way they're dressed Lady, here's a rule of thumb for you. If you're wondering whether or not you should wear something this works every time, would the Blessed Mother approve of me wearing this? Would the Blessed Mother approve of me wearing this? Now, I fully realize modest clothing isn't in fashion. The fashions are going to hell. But it's always in good taste. My job isn't to make you feel good. It's to tell you how to be good. And I need to draw everybody's attention to the fact that I'm practicing what I preach. Okay. The charity a woman ought to have for her brothers extends past this to modest behavior and speech, not making eyes, all those old-fashioned ideas for courteous behavior around the morally weaker sex. I'm convinced most good women have absolutely no idea the influence they have on men for better or worse. In more thoughtful cultures, this influence is taken more seriously. The attraction men have for women is taken more seriously. I I know a priest who was a missionary in Africa. The first day he arrived at his mission, he noted something very distinctive. After Mass, he went up to one of the men and he said, Why do all you guys sit on the one side of the church and all the women and children sit on the other side? His response, Father, at church, we're there to think about Jesus and how to get to heaven. But if we sit with the women, we'll only be thinking about them. Now this had nothing to do with purity. It's a commentary on how very good and very attractive women are to men. Well, I know up until the 1950s, I'm aware of at least one parish back home in Montana that had exactly the same custom. And it wasn't because of purity or modesty. It was so they wouldn't be distracted. It's not a purity issue. It's a, just the fact that men are attracted to women. Now along that line, and I'm not trying to single anybody out here, but I'm, I'm going to explain it anyway. Think about why women get their hair done. It's to be attractive, and that's good. Women's hair is attractive, and that's not in an impure way. It's just attractive. The Bible says that hair is the glory of a woman. God made women's hair attractive, and that's good. We're here for an hour or so every week trying to give our undivided attention to God to the holy sacrifice of the Mass. You don't need me to tell you it's hard, naturally speaking, to keep from getting distracted. This is just one of the reasons why it's been seen as an act of charity keep your hair covered in church so as not attract attention to yourself so that your glory isn't shown in front of the lord with the men looking at you instead of him it's an act of humility to prevent the attention that should be focused on god from being focused on you a host naturally speaking isn't very attractive it's white and featureless but a woman Yeah, it's true that the law that requires women to keep their heads covered in church, a law which stretched from the Old Covenant to 30 years ago, is no longer in force. That's true. We all know that. But the attraction that women hold for men, that wasn't suddenly set aside 30 years ago. A woman could argue, well, he doesn't have to look, and besides, the law doesn't require me to cover my head. I grant all that. That's absolutely true. But charity calls us to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. It calls those who are strong to bear with the failings of the weak. If we love our neighbor, we want to make it easier for him to grow in holiness, whether regardless of what the law says. The idea, then, of covering your head in church is the same idea as modesty. It's an act of compassion to spare your brothers in Christ from being unduly distracted from you in a time and in a place where that's not appropriate. It's the love of God at the expense of self. Anyway, now we can see the symmetry for men and women who love God under the contempt of themselves. In imitation of the Blessed Mother, the woman has to use her strength as a good moral example to guide the men towards holiness. In imitation of St. Joseph, the man has to use his physical strength to protect the woman from unholiness. The man has to watch what he looks at. The woman has to watch how she looks. Let's help each other as redeemed brothers and sisters in Christ. Make our way through the minefields of this culture of death. Let's do our best to make the journey towards heaven easier for all those around us. Let's love God, even under the contempt of ourselves. Two loves built two cities. The earthly city, by love of self, even under the contempt of God. The heavenly city, by the love of God, even under the contempt of self. Which city will we live in? Which city will we die in?